I remember overhearing one of my friends who had a full-time assistant who I had interacted with several times when contacted him, who was fabulous. Like I just loved her energy, even just through email. She was amazing. And he told me that he was paying her like something like six or $800 a month. And I was just like, what? Welcome to the 7 Figure Freedom Podcast, where ambitious CEOs turn to transition from being the doer of the business to being the leader of the empire. I am Madeline Weick-Silva. I'll share my real-life struggles and breakthroughs as I've scaled my businesses and grown a team that run the day-to-day without me, so that now I run my 7 Figure business on three-day work weeks. Join our community of visionary entrepreneurs and transformational leaders as we create lasting impact, financial freedom, and an awesome, rewarding life with a powerhouse team by your side. So in this episode, I wanted to do something a little bit differently and really share behind the scenes kind of what happens here at the Madeline White Silva team when we are expanding our team and growing and what it really looks like on the inside when we're scaling up. And I'm delegating a lot of the things that I used to be doing in the business to my team so that we can take on more clients and grow at an even more rapid speed. And I thought I would just kind of free flow and just talk a little bit about what the systems we put in place and how that all looks like. Because I know I talk about it kind of in concepts in here a lot And if you've been listening in, I talk a fair amount about team. I find that team for me has probably been one of the steepest learning curves in business ever. I was a horrible boss for a big part of it, tell you the truth. You know, at first I was just handed off. I found somebody amazing, my very first hire, Kefi Wong, and she stepped in and she took over so much in my business and I was so freed up and she was so capable and so brilliant. And I just kind of let everything go and let her handle it. Totally overworked her, burned her out. She left probably two years in, so inspired. She ended up to go to chiropractic school and become a doctor and amazing lady. And we still connected. And she now has two little kids and married, you know, all the things. And, you know, it's been a while. But then I hired a lot of different people and I kind of swung the pendulum all the way to the other side where I became a little bit of a micromanager. I have really high standards. I want to deliver amazing results for our clients. And so that's always been my biggest piece that I'm always looking to track is the results for our clients. And I want this seamless operations. And so I started just micromanaging because after Kathy, I ended up hiring a bunch of not so good employees. And I started to see all the pitfalls of, you know, that common sense is not that common and people don't really know how to do things and think through problems. And I was rushing in and cleaning up messes here and there and it was getting very frustrating. So I started really micromanaging, which created its own problems. And I oftentimes in the beginning, mixed micromanaging would also like a really friendly, you know, a little too friendly relationship with my employees. So there was not a lot of boundaries of professionalism and working with my team and my personal life. And it it all kind of got a little messy. So over the years, I've gone through team members quitting without notice. I've had fired my whole team once, every single one, and hired all new people. I've had people file complaints against me and had to hire attorneys and all crazy stuff over the years. And 
you know, it's all been part of this journey that I've been on to really figure out how do we do team really, really well. So a couple of things that really have helped me. Something miraculous happened when I finally went virtual, where my whole business went virtual and I got to work from home. And I wasn't in the office with my team members and constantly getting interrupted every single moment as I was trying to work through complex problems in the business. And just that constant interruptions was just endless. And it was really hard when I was in the office, the phone would ring, the team would show up. And I would literally get to the office at four or five in the morning to get my work done before the crazy started, right? Not very sustainable, definitely not part of the seven-figure freedom method, but that's where I was at. And so when I finally moved my office home, and my whole team started working from their home. This was quite some, I don't know, 2013, 2014. And I realized that I am a total introvert. I kind of knew that, but I'm a total introvert. And to working from home and not having those constant interruptions, I was able to filter my response. And I was also able to really support my team at a whole new level. And it gave me a moment to pause before I reacted to something that happened in the business. And so I became a much better boss because my response rate was slower. And like many people, if you step into my office and you annoy me, you probably will see it on my face. So that wasn't so conducive to being in the office with a team. And so when I was working from home, if I had a moment of frustration or annoyance, might not even have anything to do with a team member. I got to hide a little bit and then I could respond a little bit later when I wasn't in the middle of something. And I also got so much more done because I wasn't constantly being interrupted. I could set my timers for notifications on emails and in our chat communications. And I wasn't constantly just responding, responding, responding. So that was a huge shift. The other really big thing that happened for me is that I was at a situation here in the U.S. where I didn't make that much profit. In my business, to afford to hire really skilled workers and more professional people. So I was really hiring in a pool of, you know, the 20s. People were in the 20s that might have been barbers and cocktail waitresses and all of these things. And I ended up training them up from nothing and training them up on how to do an insurance billing because that was the business I was running at the time. And... It was a very meticulous job, very detail-oriented, and they had to kind of step in there and do that job. And it was, you know, in your 20s, you have a lot of drama in your life. You're not that stable. And so people quitting and starting and leaving, and it was a lot of turnover and people showed up and, they, you know, they weren't that professional. They haven't really worked that many real jobs in their lives. And so it was a very messy turbulent workforce, which didn't, again, didn't really give me a peace of mind as the employer. And also, even then, we were stretched really thin because we couldn't really afford to hire the people that we needed. So we just had to do with the people we had. And so everybody was a little bit overworked and always rushing and trying to get everything done and running behind a lot of time. So all of those stresses created a lot of chaos in the business. So at the time, I was hanging out with a fair amount of people who was also in the online space, online coaches and consultants and course creators and visionaries in that space. 
And so as I was dibbling and dabbling and hanging out with them at Masterminds, you know, I remember overhearing one of my friends who had a full-time assistant who I had interacted with several times when contacted him, who was fabulous. Like I just loved her energy, even just through email. She was amazing. And he told me that he was paying her like something like six or $800 a month. And I was just like, what? Because she was a virtual assistant overseas in the Philippines. I had not really heard that much about hiring overseas and what that would look like and, you know, but was quite intrigued. So at some point I decided to start building a team in the Philippines and really start figuring out what it would it take to start transitioning more and more people over there because I started to realize what an amazing thing that would be because at the moment, you know, 50% of my revenue was my payroll. Even with my small team and the chaos and the people I was hiring and the messes that that created, I was still, my biggest expense in my business was payroll. So I started to hire in the Philippines and that shifted so much. One, I was able to hire people that were in their 30s and they had careers. They had a lot more professional experience. They were a lot more stable. They were used to working from home. They were set up. They were very polite. They knew what it took to show up on time and do the job. And and so that just became just amazing to me. So moving my office to a virtual situation, I now could hire people anywhere. And so hiring people in the Philippines really changed things for me. And so that was an amazing experience. And I started to really create this brilliant team around me. And I was able to hire more people to do more of the things. So the team wasn't so overtaxed and overworked. And everybody kind of got dialed in in that job position. And then the other thing I did was, so I did insurance billing. And usually in an insurance billing company, one person does everything from A to Z for maybe two to three clients. They do insurance verification, they do data input, they do coding, they submit the claims, they follow up on the claims, they send out medical records, they do the whole gamut of all the different things that comes to play when you do an insurance billing. And that's traditionally how it's set up. So what I started doing instead is that I created these deep and narrow job descriptions where I decided that certain people on my team were just fantastic at detail-oriented data inputs. They could do the coding and setting up the billing and the claims just right. Then there was a lot of details to pay attention to because they just had that amazing skill set that they were just made for that. So I made them responsible for doing all the data input and the billing and coding for all of our clients, all of our 50 offices that we were servicing all over the U.S., and big practices that we were helping out. And so they handled all of it. And then I found somebody who was just brilliant at verifying benefits and figuring out exactly what benefits each patient had. And so I created a position where all they did was verifying benefits for our clients and another position for follow-up. And so we basically created this checks and balances. And what's starting to happen is one, they became super confident in their area of expertise. They got a much deeper knowledge in the position that they were in, in that specific area of the billing cycle. So we started to really solve problems that we had for a long time in the business that we just haven't been able to solve before because people were so dedicated to figuring things out when they were that deep in the trenches. And they were also positioned in their zone of genius. 
And so they were able to really figure it out in a very specific way. And so they became the expert in that area for the whole company. And so anytime we had questions about it, we could come to them and they would research and they would figure things out. So right now, you can get my super simple team assessment process that helps me evaluate my current team, identify if I need to hire somebody else, what kind of training my team members need, who is worth investing in and who needs to be more challenged to grow with a company and really turning those less than motivated team members into productive, valuating, value-adding team players. It's an on-demand five-part video series that will walk you through the whole process. It's totally free and you can find it at hello7figurefreedom.com team-assessment-video-series. We'll make sure to add the link in the show notes and let me know. And that happened in all the different roles in the company. So our knowledge base and our expertise became a lot better. The other thing was that they became a whole lot more productive because they didn't have these constant transition points all throughout the day without jumping around from task to task, account to account, client to client. Because they were staying in that one lane, doing one thing over and over again, they actually were able to produce at a much higher percentage. It also created this higher, eliminated a lot of the capacity blocks that we had for growth in the business. And so these deep and narrow job descriptions and splitting the workload up in this way also allowed the team to become self-managing because if the insurance verification person didn't get their job done, then the billing person couldn't do their job. And if the billing person didn't get their job, then the person who did the payment posting couldn't do their job. The payment posting couldn't do their job, then the follow-up person couldn't get to their things. So you can see that the team itself created a level of accountability that me as a CEO just hadn't been able to really install and instill in my team before. And they become tremendous amount of teamwork that happened because of it, because now everybody was interconnected and people were asking questions of each other. Everybody had their lane and it created this and fostered this amazing team spirit. So these are some of the things that I discovered kind of by happenstance, just being in the trenches in my own business and testing different things out and figuring things out as I went along and, and of course, stumbling a lot along the way. So now here I am in this business We've been going for about two years and we are really looking to now scale up. The business is growing very rapidly and we are looking to scale up at, in a bigger way. And like so many CEOs and so many of you who's listening to the podcast, you probably can relate to this. I, the CEO, has become the bottleneck of my own business. And so in many ways, we can only take on clients because we do so much one-on-one work and we really partner with our clients. There's just so many clients we can take on. So part of what I've been working on is like, how can I hand over more of the delivery piece of our services to the team so they can start to install those pieces for our clients without so much of my input? So there's a couple of things that we've done. One is to really develop the standard operational procedures for each one of the deliverables. So we do a customized metrics dashboard. We build that operational systems. We install product managers in trust client businesses. We map out their whole revenue process and systems and offers and create those win-win offers. So many other different pieces we, we do. 
we really dove in and broke it down into minute details and created standard operational procedures for every single one of those deliverables with videos and screenshots and also written to the point that at any moment, somebody can step in and follow those standard operational procedures and actually get the job done. So I call this plan for random intelligence, meaning that at any moment in time, somebody else should be able to step into any one of my team members' roles and be able to pick up where they're left just by following the standard operational procedures. So we want our system to be that drilled out, really fought out. It takes a little bit of time because you have to slow down and really get it dialed in, but it's so worth it because now that every task becomes reproducible by anybody in the team. And it also becomes so much easier to hire more people if you need it when you're, as you are expanding, because you can bring them right in, get them up and running very quickly because you have, you plug them right into the systems that you already developed. So there's a process for them. It really creates guardrails for brand new hires to know what's expected of them, what the deadlines are how to do the job, how to be really successful in their role in the business, how to add value to the company. And so all of those things. So that's something that's really important for us. And also when we hire and bring new people on, and we've been bringing four new hires in in the last month, when we are growing that rapidly, we are really looking at a couple of things. One, we want to make sure that we do the strengths finder and the human design for every single hire so that we know where they will fit best in the roles that we want to put them into. So again, we're always looking to cater each position so that each team member is in their zone of genius. So that's part of the hiring process. But then, because we have built out the systems, when they come into our company, we have very clearly defined training protocols that we guide them through so they can get up and running and really add value from day one in the company. And they will be responsible for task day one that they then will be handling and actually take it over from then on. And every day, every week, we add more of those tasks to their job descriptions and their job duties. So they constantly are taking on more and more, but it's so well defined because of the standard operational procedures that they're both learning how to do the job. They're learning how to think through problems that might arise as they do in the job. And they're also learning our culture, how to communicate with us, and what success like looks to us. So all of those pieces are part of the training process. And we are constantly giving them feedback, letting them know how they're doing, correcting little things. So here's a piece, for example, one of my new hires, we hire a recruiting manager because we do so much uh, hiring and recruiting for us and also for our clients. So we hire a full-time recruiting manager to oversee all of our hiring funnels. And she came in with a fair amount of experience, but she was totally blown away by our processes, our hiring funnels. She worked as a recruiter before for a company that were outsourcing virtual assistants to U.S.-based and Australia-based companies. And so she had has a lot of familiarity. She's been doing it for years, but she got plugged into our hiring funnel process. And she was pretty impressed because she just hadn't seen that level of detail. And this happens all the time because I am so systems-based because I believe structure equals freedom, ultimately, that it gives us so much freedom when we have that level of structure because everybody that comes into the business really get trained properly 
And so she came in, but there was a, adjusting one of the procedures because we had an urgent need that we wanted to plug for one of our clients. One of the brand new hires for one of our clients decided to quit after one day. And so we needed somebody right away. And so we had a candidate from a previous recruiting that we thought could be really promising. And so I wanted to cut our application process down. And so I skipped the step and jumped right to step three instead. And the new recruiting manager following the SOP ended up instead to send the new hire step one, step two, and step three all at once. So that could be a little bit overwhelming, right, for the new hire and for the applicant, but she was following the SOP. So it's the standard operational procedure that we put in place. But in a situation like this, right, it's not necessarily she did something wrong because she was actually following procedures we have put out. But me as a CEO will now step in and just give her the distinction between step one, step two, step three, and really giving her the guidance that is her job to actually manage the experience of the applicants. And we want to make sure that applicants, anytime somebody is applying for a job that we are recruiting for, have an amazing experience that then inspires them to want to work with our company and our clients, right? That's a really big piece of the recruiting process. So these little things that might not seem like big mistakes by any means, especially if you have systems in place, your new hires are not going to make, you know, create chaos for you, big problems for you. But even these nuances, you might have to point out. So it's really important to course correct new hires so that they really can understand the expectations that you have of them. And you do this in a very neutral tone of voice, very direct, very neutral, very simple, and so that they can really take it in, right? And this is really important to do the whole way through the training process. Because if you're not correcting these smaller things, these are going to get much bigger things and things are going to start running kind of sloppy. And all of a sudden now you have a mess on your hands, okay, over time, if you let these smaller things slip through the cracks. So that's the piece. And so people brand new, really in just in the last month, there's only one person that's just started this week who we are going to have to train a little bit more. The other people are all dialed in already. They're already working their full position and in full capacity and he's doing a fantastic job. And so the piece that we also do, once somebody feels like we, they are up and running, they understand what they're doing, they're doing it right. And we check in that every single time when we're training and we put checks and balances in place. So when I'm saying like they do it fabulous, that's not like a feeling I have. We actually have checks and balances so that they are reporting back to us on the work they've done and how it's going. And we can actually look at the facts and data from the work that they're doing to know that they are doing a really good job to make sure that they are staying on track. And then always course correcting, giving them feedback if something needs to be tweaked or looked at a little bit differently so they can continue to excel. So I hope that's really helpful. I know that was like a lot of background, a lot of babble because I was just free flowing today, but I'm hoping that gives you a little bit of an insight of how to build out a team in a way and that really frees you up as the visionary CEO and allows you to scale your business much more rapid in a much faster fashion and with a whole lot more ease and without really getting stuck in the weeds, just training people one after the other. And Because once you have the SOPs and you have the training process in place, you just replicate it across the different positions in your business 
and you can deploy it very rapidly. And new hires literally come up and learn the job within a few weeks. And I might spend, I don't know, maybe one or three hours at the most with them during that time to really helping them getting dialed in, depending on the roles. And if it's a new, brand new role, sometimes I spend a little bit more time, but that is what it looks like. So you need systems to plug new team members into because that creates the guardrails and really supports them in becoming a very successful member of your team. So let's go do it. Let's do this. Thanks for tuning in to the 7 Figure Freedom Podcast. I hope this episode sparked a shift in perspective to help you amplify your impact, income, and freedom. Schedule a call with me today. You'll find the scheduling link in the show notes to take the first step towards gaining clarity on how to bring your vision to life with more ease. Check the show notes for additional resources. 